Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast is a Christ-centered podcast. Established in 2019 and hosted weekly by Pastor Chris Busher. Addressing a host of topics such as the Great Commission, Christian discipleship, and often featuring interviews with special guests who are experts in their field. The views and events expressed on this podcast and all related materials belong solely to their author and not necessarily to the author's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. While all attempts are made to present accurate information, some information may become outdated over time. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast makes every attempt to timely update any and all such information. Without further delay, here's another powerful episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Once again, my name is Dallas here. Today in the studio, we have another incredible guest joining us all the way from the UK. Her name is Yawandi. How are you today? Such a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm all right, thank you. And you? I'm doing great today. I can't I'm complain. It's Friday. Here. God is good. Yes, Everything's going well. Yeah. yeah. Today, we're going to discuss a little bit about your newly released book, Mothers in the Bible, Mothers Operating Under God's Grace in Parenting Their Children. I think in 2023, parenting is so important. The way that we raise our kids and the way that we, I'm not going to say protect them from the world or hide them from the, I mean, protect, I think mm. is the best word, not hide them mm. from the world, but protect mm. them from the world and, and raise mm. them up in truth. It's so valuable today. Yes. And so I'm excited to have you on the show, as you know, and as our audience know, I'm a young father, so I'm, I'm learning everything I can. My wife is a new mother. I mean, so you are here to educate us today. So thank oh. you for, for your book and all of those things that you brought today. Before we get into that, I just want to give you the opportunity. Tell us a little bit about your faith. How did you find the Lord? How did that change your life moving forward? Okay, so um, I was born into a Christian home in inverted commas mm -hmm. because um, we went to church. I was born in church. I grew up in the church, but my mom was a Muslim before she became a Christian, and my dad was a Christian all along. So a Christian, I know um, we do a lot of intermarriage in Nigeria where originally come from. So they got married and brought us up in the church. But I did I wasn't a Christian. I we just went to church. We just celebrated Christmas. We celebrated Salah. But when I was about 14 years old in school, a friend of mine came and told me about Christ in a new way. And she told me about being born again. She told me about what Christ did. Well, I've been in church all my life, and I think, I don't know if I've ever heard such things. So I gave my life to Christ, and then I started. And what the most important thing that I realized that she really hammered on, because I was a teenager, and you know the things teenagers got into in those, mm -hmm. even now, was about sin and trying to live holy. That's the only way you can get closer to God. So that helped me a bit, like navigate where I should be and what I should be doing and not doing. It took me a while, but slowly, slowly, I got closer to God. And that's my story. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so as you were growing up in, as well, and so now you are a mother, you are a parent, and you raised your three children as well. How did that, how did your faith incorporate into your parenting? Hmm. Uh, well, I, I'm fortunate because my husband is a Christian as well. So we have the same values. Mm -hmm. And um, I tried as much as I could 
to let them understand God early. Like from a very young age, we had um, devotionals. You know those baby devotionals? I don't know if they still do it, do it now. Baby devotionals? They were set, yes. Like some of them are 365 days with the Lord and things like that. For babies, they're picture mm -hmm. books. Uh -huh. So I tried to get things like that from when they were young. And that was what we used as um, like the go-to book every night when they're going to bed. So we read them. We say short prayers. So I tried little by little to incorporate, apart from them going to church, what the Christian faith was and how it should play out in their life. And hopefully <laughs> we did something right because they're still in church. They're still, they're still Christians. They're, still, they're very active in church. So mm -hmm. I thank God that we did the practical steps mm -hmm. of, of course, they did their own thing in school, in uni and all that. But they never really left church, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. They might go to parties, and, but they never really left the faith. So thank God for that. Yeah. 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 You you mentioned the routine at night. You guys were, were reading the Bible together, doing the devotional and praying. How valuable is routine did you see growing up or raising your children? It is very important because what I did was when they could read, I got devotional their age um, for their ages mm -hmm. for them, the proper ones like 7 to 11 and things like that. And I got a lot of Christian books for them. So they read the secular books, on them, but they did read a lot of that. And so what starts happening is they still do devotionals now. They believe so much in, they come to me and say, oh, mom, I'm following this podcast. You should listen to it. Or oh, they have different names. I don't know these people, but different Christian podcasts. And they have devotional by Rick Warren. They, have, they, all, they, they believe in that routine of doing devotional every day. So that helps them. Yeah. 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 And in your book, let's dive a little bit into that as well. One more time, Mothers in the Bible. And this book is available on Amazon. And the thing, the under, the overlying thing, I would say, is grace, God's grace in your book. And so can you tell us a little bit about what is God's grace for those who are listening today and don't understand the grace of God? Okay. So I think even I got educated on grace when I was reading the, writing the book. Grace has been defined as the undeserved mercy of God. That we don't deserve it, but we get it anyway. And there is nothing you can do to earn it. It's just by the mercy of God. Wait a, wait a second. Nothing. There's nothing. Nothing. All right. Nothing. So what do you mean? You mean if I do all these good things, and if I go to church, and if I feed mm. the hungry, and if I tithe, mm -hmm. I still don't. That's deserve what you're telling me. Christ oh. dying for you. Come on. You grace don't of deserve. God. We don't deserve. And that was one of the things. I, when I started this journey, I wrote this book because I started studying the life of Abraham. Mm. So it was for me, it was just, a, I was pondering, why did God choose him? Why does God choose people? What do you do? So I said, okay, why don't I delve into the Bible and see what they all did? And then the more I read about them, the more I saw their failures. Mm -hmm. The more I saw Abraham lie twice, the more I saw Sarah lie, the, the mm -hmm. more I saw Rebecca deceive. And then I'm going back and forth and looking for what they did. And I realized 
that. And I struggled and I said to God, that's the truth. I said, so if I'm doing all these things, I'm trying to pray. You said we should pray. We should do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does it mean I don't deserve? Because I believe and God made me understand that we don't deserve anything. Yeah. It's just the mercy of God. It's because he loves us so much that he gave us Christ. We don't deserve God to come, the creator of the heavens and the earth, come as human to die for me. Mm-hmm. What, yeah. Even before you say that. Like, and then, listen to, listen to what I'm saying. I found out that even while I'm doing all these good things, I still sin. Yeah. Yeah. I still do those things he said I shouldn't do. I still don't pray sometimes. Mm-hmm. I still don't doubt, right? You still doubt sometimes. sometimes. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then yet he still loves me mm-hmm. and he still blesses me. Yeah. And I realized that all these women enjoyed the grace of God. Mm-hmm. And I asked you that question in that way because grace is defined in many different ways. People have yeah. their own understanding of grace, but I, I love what you said. We can't mm-hmm. earn it. There's nothing we can do to change it. It's the grace of God. And I think that is the fundamental part of grace. Mm-hmm. No matter what you do, you can't earn more of God's love. He already loves you and accepts you today. It's not saying to go and do all the crazy stuff either way. That's not what it's saying. Yeah. But when we do yes. fall short, he is our advocate, advocator, right? You're listening to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors. Michael Soward's journey started many decades before COVID-19's entry into the world that shocked everyone. The sheer drama of it all reignited his hunger to search and seek a deeper, very serious bond with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit prompted him to reintroduce himself to the powerful, legendary teachings of Dr. Paul G. Truland, entitled My Body, His Life series. The amazing, invisible Jesus Christ lives inside all of us that will receive him, says Michael. Find Michael Sword Presents podcast on all streaming platforms. After his father's death and the remarriage of his mother to an abusive, manipulative man, Scott Maynard dealt with his pain through alcohol, delinquent behavior, and excessive partying. Though Scott lost touch with his spiritual side for many years, it never left him completely. His faith would eventually return, helping to carry him through a broken marriage, single fatherhood, an unimaginable injury, and finally, miraculous healing. Find your copy of A Test of Faith on Amazon today. And another definition that I've heard that I really like, like I said, when I was writing, it was ministering to me because I, the, the book was going was supposed to go another way, and I found it going on the way of you think you can't do anything, and I'm you know trying to go back because I was trying to write about what these people did to deserve these things, and then I found out that I was digging more holes for myself because they didn't do anything. So I realized that the another definition that they use for grace is, is an enabler. It enables you when you can depend on God and realize it's all the grace, it enables you to walk according to his plans for your life. I would say I tap into this one because I say, Lord, I'm a new father. I don't know what I'm doing. I need some (laughs) grace in this area as a father. Yes. Right? It enables us. Mm -hmm. And we just need to believe and rest. Like um, 
a passage I wrote down, Philippians 2.13 says that it's God that gives us the will to do of his good pleasure. It's God. For it is God who works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So really and truly, is that grace that helps us? Because God has his own plans. And we can't do it without his power. So he knows us. He knows our weakness. He just wants us to relax and help, let us, you know, depend on him. And that grace will carry us. Yeah. Well, that's my belief. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Let's go a little bit into parenting and grace. How do these two go together? So what I found out, right, was that with certain mothers, I'll give you some examples in the Bible, I found out that Sarah was a woman that, to me, she had given up, child, she had given up. And every relationship that her husband had with God, Abraham, was Abraham and God. So she wasn't really part of all this deal. She was 90, she didn't have a child, and I don't, I don't, I won't say she hated God or anything, but she had given up. There wasn't really anything. And when God said he was going to give Abraham all these blessings, she tapped into it the way she could and gave her husband a wife and all that. But what happened was the minute she trusted God to have Isaac, because basically she would have trusted God enough, even though she laughed, she got the power to mate with a man at 90. You have to believe something. I'm sure she was menopausal by then. I'm sure they had forgotten about bedroom and things like that by then. But she gave herself because she believed that, okay, this God can do anything. So with parenting these days, the way I see it is that the minute we become parents and we yield, so to speak, to the plans and purpose of God, and believe that even we as parents, we're custodians. Mm -hmm. The child you have is God's. The Bible says the children are his heritage, heritage. It's God's. There is a child of God. Is God's got plans for him? Like God had plans for you from when you were born. Dallas, you're here now. You might not be what your parents wanted you to be, but God knew that this is what I want to do. So God's made us as parents to be custodians, yeah. co-laborers with him. So if we partner with him, he will help us by guiding us into which school the child should go to. You will, be, you will feel led. I have three children, like I said. They're different. They're so different. You could not have brought up my last child the way you brought up my first. And so if you trust God, and know that there's nothing I can do to help this child. You are the father of this child. I'm just here to guide him in the way of the Lord. So the Lord said, be grateful, be mm. forgiving, be kind to people. I'm just here to help you do wow. all that. The Lord what will be a good the reminder. Child. Because it's so easy. It's so easy for us to fall in this trap to say, it's all up to me to raise this child right mm -hmm. but then that takes away god's part and he's he's he plays a bigger role than i do that's for sure yeah. I, li I like yeah. what you're saying it's such a good reminder for me personally that it's not mm -hmm. all up to me 
in my wife. It's up to God. And we, we're just here. We don't even have the capacity. Yeah, we exactly. can't. Yeah. yeah. We can't. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And let's talk a little bit about strong family bonds are also highlighted in the Bible. Give us a couple examples of that and how we can learn from those stories. So I, I, when I look at the story of um, Rebecca, to start with, she was married to this guy. So from my, so, you know, when I was writing this book, sometimes I put myself in that position. Mm -hmm. And I think if I can, if it's something I've experienced before. So years ago, my father-in-law lived with me and my husband for about four months. And I remember so well, he was always telling us, telling me stories. My husband wasn't bothered. So I couldn't get up to say I was leaving. So we say, oh, when they were this age, so he told me loads of stories. And I would kind of tell my husband about, oh, did you know when you were this age? He said, no, I never heard that. So I, he pictured Rebecca sitting with Abraham mm -hmm. while they were all living together. And Abraham telling her, all these stories about the promises of God for his lineage and God telling her that, oh, Isaac is going to be the heir and God's telling her that God is going to bring us back here. And I believe that she held on to all that and wanted that so much for her sons that this God, we have to serve this God because he's got great plans for us. Abby, she did it in the wrong way because she was helping God. God would have gotten there without her. But what I see is that despite what she did, Isaac, they forgave each other. They were still together. They saw that you deceived me. They, they were still together even till the end. And I see that in marriages, we're going to do things that we shouldn't have to each other. But when we have this solid rock, this God of love, you know, you when, when God, God says his love, and when we have love as our bedrock, we forgive. Yeah. We forgive. And then we forgive great things because I read it, I went going back. Why would you do that to your son? Why would you do that to Esau? Why would you? But she saw Esau that Esau wasn't interested. And he wasn't. And she saw Esau that he wanted to go with for money. And she saw a Jacob that this guy, the Lord has said, is going to be the one. And she did what was wrong. That's why I said that it's grace. Because she did wrong. But God still did what he wanted to do. He forgave her. The husband, and they were still together. So I believe that if we stick together, we don't we don't give each other chances anymore. Sometimes it's one strike, you're off. We don't, we're not patient with each other anymore. We're not, we're not, we expect too much from our partners this morning. Sometimes we put them on the pedestal that they can never get to. They can never. We turn them to mini gods. You're supposed to be perfect. You're supposed, you should know me. You should know how I feel. You should, and I think it affects marriages and homes these days. So I think if we can all, uh, Forgive each other, be gracious to each other, believe that we're all work in progress, we'll all get there. No matter what happens, we'll all pull together to be strong. That's my opinion. <laughs> yeah, and I think it goes really well together with what you were saying in the beginning of our episode today, 
mm-hmm. about that routine and doing devotions as a family. I think yeah. that goes such a long way when you yeah. pray together, when you yeah. worship together, open up the scripture yeah. together as a family. Yeah. I mean, you're protecting your home, you know, you're equipping yeah. your house. Yeah. In this house, we will serve the Lord. I think that's so Lord. powerful to do that yeah. as well. Yeah. And one thing I know, reading the Bible and doing devotions together brings out stuff. The light of God always shines. I remember when my kids were teenagers, my goodness, the revelation my husband and I got from devotions. Mm-hmm. Because after we finish, my husband can say things like, so what's your opinion, so-and-so? Does this happen in school? And we encourage them to share. And they come up with all sorts of stories. So <laughs> we've told each other, you don't sound surprised. You don't start just mm, mm, mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then you can use it to mm-hmm. you know to th- and another thing it helped us to do was we used to do something like we give each other a piece of paper and say define more define so and so use adjectives to define so and so so when we do that when two or three write three or three people write the same thing about you that is negative then you have to go and think about it because that's where they see that's you. unique. And that's wow. where the others will see you. So wow. that helped us as well. The devotion thing really helped a lot to know more about each other. Even your husband, you will come out with stuff and you get into the room and my husband will say, Why did you say that? I didn't. And then you realize. So it, God sheds light into situations in the house where you bring him in. My wife and I recently went through a marriage course and it, it was here in mm. Brazil. So it was in in Portuguese, of course, and it was called okay. Married Forever. And in this course, they had these little pills. And inside the pill, it had a piece of paper, a way to serve the spouse. And so some of the things were like breakfast in bed, pray together, um, do things like this, right? And so we liked it so much, we created it for our own house. And now we have this in our own home. And every week we can go through and, and pick one out. And the goal is you're supposed to do it until the other person notices. You're not supposed to tell yeah. them what you got, right? And I think what what you're saying is like it's a really cool kind of it's similar but different it's negative yeah. things too things that you yeah. notice about the other person instead yeah. of just serving i think that's a i'm going to bring that up yeah. with my wife that's yeah. really interesting <laughs> the way to to grow you know constructive criticism yeah. it's so valuable too and, and to affirm yeah. the other person it's yeah. it's valuable wow you so we're talking about marriage i want to talk a little bit more about the challenges of marriage and how the mm-hmm. pa- the challenges of marriage impact parenting dynamics yeah. What about that? Yeah, so I saw that a lot of the women had some challenges, most of them actually. They had similar challenges that we have now. Like Hannah did not have a child. And unfortunately, the husband went to marry somebody else for children. And um, Ruth, her husband died. She was a young widow. And she didn't even know the Lord, went to a strange land. And I realized, and Hagar was one of the ones that, uh, when I was writing in Hagar and Leah, I didn't expect to feel so much empathy for them because they're probably people I never really read about or that I heard about. But when I pictured, like I said, I put myself in their position. When I thought of what Hagar must have been going through, that Abraham sent her away with a bottle of water in a desert, I just couldn't picture it. And you see women, their husband walk away from, and the husbands are the breadwinner of the family, and the women probably didn't have any job before, and the, 
you you have things like you have women that their husbands are cheating, even in churches, and the husband don't love them like Leah. He knew that the husband did not love her one bit. And I realized that with both women, they turned to God. And they turned to God. Hagar turned to God, and God promised her he will take care of her. And he did. Leah decided on her fourth child to praise the Lord, turning herself to God as well, and saying, I'm going to serve you. And things, it might be painful, but it's carrying you. Yeah. So because these things are going to keep happening. They were happening then. They're going to still happen even in the future. So like I said, like I said the grace of God is an enabler. It helps even in difficult times. It enables people to move on, to get strength from the Lord. And so no matter what people are going through now, I believe that the enemy makes us wary, makes us really wary. Sometimes you've prayed, sometimes you just bask in the presence of God, just bask in it, and just tell God. I always teach my children this thing, don't pretend to God. He sees your heart. Go on your bed and sit and say, you know what? I'm just feeling so sad today. I just, just have a conversation with him. He's a comforter. Don't take offense with him. That's what he doesn't like. Tell him, pour your heart like a father and say, I'm so sad. And I know because I've gone through things and I know that the strength comes. It might not change easily. It might not change, but strength comes to keep yeah. going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would you say is your purpose of this book? What do you hope your readers get from this and learn from by reading your book? I, 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 I want people to learn certain things. The first thing is, the first thing for me is that these children, they're not yours, your custodians, and you're supposed to help God bring them up in the way of the Lord. And when you cannot do it on your own, when you, you can't do it on your own, never. So ask the Holy Spirit to help you everywhere you come short. The second thing is, don't overprotect your children. This is the real world. It's tough out there. It's very tough. So don't, oh, don't tell my child off. Oh, I don't like him to cry. He's going to cry. Boyfriends will disappoint them. Girlfriends will disappoint. They're going to cry. Yeah. And then they're going into the workplace. The workplaces are not friendly. Mm-hmm. They're hostile there. It's a dog-eat-dog world. So when you've cotton wrapped your child, and your child gets to somewhere that they tell them of so much, they don't know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm praying that when mothers read this, they will see how these women depended on God. Like one of the ones that I really, that stood up for me was Bathsheba. She was a foolish woman. But by the time she was, David was dying and Solomon was writing Proverbs, they called her the mother of a very wise man. So where she came short, she went to get wisdom. By the time she had God in her life, God gave her the wisdom she needed. So I'm praying that people that read this will realize that God is not giving you an impossible task. 
God has shown us that he came to die because it's a tough world. It's a very tough world. And your children are going to live in this tough world. All you need to do is make sure you lead them according to the will of God and God will sort the rest out. Wow. That's so comforting to hear that. You know, because it's so it's so easy to be a, a parent and want to protect from the world and want to hide from the world. But it's not it's not you have to find that balance, you know, of not putting them in the world, not in, influencing them in the wrong way, yeah. giving them no. the truth, but protecting it yeah. in the right way and allowing them yeah. to experience and overcome difficulties yeah. as well. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the challenge. That's that's the million dollar question. I think it is a big challenge. It is wow. a big challenge. Because yeah. the world out there now there's so many things you don't want your child to know, but the school will tell them about it. You yeah. don't want them to know certain things at certain ages. The school will tell them about it. Friends will tell them about it. Social media will tell them about it. So you have to depend on God yeah. to, do, to erase those things that are not important in their memories, to let them realize that what you're teaching them at home is the best. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And is this the first of of many books to come? Do you have other things in your I'm mind? I'm hoping so. Yes, yeah. I, I have a few things in my in my uh, archives, so to yeah. speak, that I'm going to try and pull out, yes. So I'm hoping that very soon I'll write something else. Yeah, this is I see this all the time. Almost every single author I work with, they write one book and then that just opens up the gates to write another and another and another and you just open this side up of you that just keeps writing. <laughs> and yes. that's, that's amazing. That's so cool. Yeah. And how can we connect with you and find this book in your social media platforms and, and maybe be watching for future projects that come out from you? Okay, so I'm on the Facebook, but I'm not very active. I'm really bad with things like that. But my book is on Amazon and I'm on Instagram as well. So I'm hoping, because this is my first, I'm mm -hmm. hoping to kind of like um, know the right places to advertise because mm -hmm. I've realized I, um, I went to a school called Self-Publishing School to know how to write and Jerry Jenkins was I was in his writers guild and what I found out with when you write my genre you have to target your audience mm -hmm. or else you just be everywhere and it'll be meaningless to them so that's what I'm trying to do like target my audience and um, join people like book Bob and things like that too so that it sees the genre the religious inspirational book and those people can get it there yeah yeah, and who would you say this book is for? Who is your target audience? Would it be the mothers, grandmothers, future mothers, husbands? Every, dad? Everyone, even dads. Even dads, even dads. okay. Even dads. Yeah. I believe um, it's just talking about mothers in the Bible, but there are a few things about fathers as well in it, mm -hmm. and it's just about growing, bringing up children, and hopefully having a peaceful home. So yeah. I, I, and even non-Christians can read it because Ruth was a non-Christian and she found God. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. And I want to say that even us fathers can learn something from the mothers in the Bible yes. too. So yes. come on, we yes. can, we can learn something. We have a lot to learn yes. still. So excellent. Thank you so much for your time today and everything that you Thank shared. You so anything else you want to just leave us with today with your time here? Um, it's been a pleasure. It's really nice that you're doing something like this, especially for Christians, because um, the market is actually shrinking mm -hmm. for people. Even when I want to get some books for Christian book, and I, it's so difficult to know the new authors and all. Before we used to have good Christian bookshops and things like that, 
but things like that are diminishing. So it's a good thing you're doing to kind of keep the market open. So that's really good. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Come back, write book two and come back and let's talk about it as well. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so, so much. Time. If I can have you end our time together with a prayer, that would be excellent. Okay. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for this opportunity that you've given us. We do not take it for granted, Lord. It's only by your mercy. Father, Lord, we pray that Dallas and his group, Lord, you will continue to bless them and you continue to use this platform, not only for Christians, oh Lord, for non-Christians to come as an evangelical tool to know you more and to draw people from the world to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've just listened to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast with your host, Pastor Chris Busher. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast was recorded live in studio with final editing made before uploading. Subscribe today to Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast on iTunes or Google Play. For more fantastic daily content, visit Pastor Chris Busher online via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Don't miss the next episode on Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast.